I'm Amy Wagner. Welcome to the best of Simply Money. Each week we put together some of our favorite segments from the 55 KRC radio show exclusively for this podcast. Inflation, oh, it is running hot. But should that change the way that you handle your 401k? Steve and I dig into the latest inflation numbers, what they mean for the economy, your spending, and how you can stay cool as a saver right now. We also talk about how you can invest in this challenging climate when prices are rising and you're feeling less certain about the future. Finally, Andy Schaefer, a regular on the show, joins me to reveal how to make sure your financial advisor is worth your hard-earned money. It is not your imagination. Prices are running hot. To put it in other words, you're paying more for the things you need. You're listening to Simply Money tonight. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Consumer prices surge. And as we look at the numbers, more than 4% in April. Understand it's the most significant increase since September of 2008. Uh, Steve, we were expecting some inflation. We were, we've yeah. been saying on the show uh, it's going to hurt a little bit. This was even more than we had anticipated. Oh, no, this is a big number. Don't kid yeah. yourself, Amy. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we were expecting somewhere around 3.5%, which is a massive bump in inflation when we've been just chugging along at, you know, 1.2, 1.8 touching 2% a couple months ago. Uh, okay, you know, it's been like that for years and years and years, and then, bam, we're expecting 35 and it comes in at 4.2%. This was a shocker today, but all you have to do is go out and start buying stuff, and you're going to say, wow, that went up in price. Oh, my goodness, this costs what? What's gas cost a gallon now? And, and you, you've been feeling it for a while. It's just we finally got the numbers on it. So let's dive a little deeper in here into yeah. why. Why is this happening? You know, for the longest time we said, um, you know, wages we don't see increasing right now. We had just gone through a pandemic. So many people had lost their jobs. But now we're actually seeing, and anecdotally, um, you know, my, my nephew works for a hotel downtown. He's having to offer at least $3 more an hour than in these for, for, for entry-level jobs than yeah. he was just a year ago. So we're seeing that, you know, the big boss is having to offer more money to get people in the door to attract you. Um, in, in a lot of the cases, it's because you're making more money off of unemployment benefits right now. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of people out there who are. Um, and so there's a number of factors that play into this, including a lot of supply chain issues that we saw that started at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, and, and you, you didn't need an act of Congress to raise the minimum wage to $15 to get basically a $15 minimum wage. The market's yeah. already taken care of that. You're absolutely right. And, and, you know, you don't have to get into the politics of did you need to do that or what are they proposing? You just need to have workers show up. And to get workers to show up, you've got to offer them more money. So when wages go up, inflation is right behind. And we, we've seen that for a while. You mentioned supply chain issues. Do you realize how tough it is to get truckers to go from ports to the point of purchase with, with things like appliances and cars? I, I mean, there's a major bottleneck that's been going on as we're reopening the economy. Raw material prices up. Anybody that's decided to put on a deck this spring or an addition or like you, building a house. I, I mean, lumber prices are going through the roof and there's more money than ever in the system. I, I mean, Washington has been spending a whole lot of money that they don't have. Every single one of these items, Amy, is inflationary. And, you know, we're finally seeing the numbers come in. The big question is, is this a short pop in inflation or is this a long-term issue that's going to get worse? 
Well, and you mentioned, right, just home building. If yeah. you were to pick your neighborhood, pick your floor plan, whatever it was, build that house a year ago um, and then try to build it now, you would be paying roughly $36,000 more because yeah. the, the, of those costs, the cost of lumber, because there's a, such a shortage in so many other products. You want to talk about inflation year over year? That's a crazy number. And that's what we're seeing is pockets of high inflation, right? Hyperinflation in some yeah. areas. Yeah. And that's like in home building right now. Yeah. buy buy Go out and buy a two by four at Home Depot. Ten bucks. Not a yeah. buck and a half like it was a few years ago. I, it makes me sound like the old guy. I remember when, <laughs> you know, but 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 it's really bizarre. And, and you know, the, there's a concern among investors uh, that and they've been talking about this for a while. I've been taking the calls and, and OK, we're setting records on the stock market. I'm uncomfortable with this huge 84 percent increase from the bottom and in the Standard and Poor's uh, 500. And, and the question is, what's going to cause it to come down? Because nothing ever goes up. In a straight line. I don't know if these inflation numbers are the trigger for the next correction, but they could very well be. I, I mean, you know, we've been looking for a reason to bring stock prices back down. Inflation is is a big trigger that potentially could cause a correction. But, you know, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, run out there and make changes because it's a correction if that's right. what occurs. It's not an economic collapse. I mean, Corrections happen every year, year and a half or so. They're normal. You ride them out. Things go back. Part of the system. Goes on. Part of the cycle, it right? It's part of the cost of doing business. It's 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 part of the game. If you're gonna try to get better returns than your bank with all the guarantees that you get, you're gonna have to put up not just with ups but occasional downs. And and it's it's just something you need to acknowledge going in. Not a big deal. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55 KRC. It was just about a week ago that my 11-year-old son on the way to school turned to me and said, Mom, what is inflation? And this is not a typical tra Trey's conversations are usually about something you saw on Instagram, uh, some cool basket he shot the day before, not inflation. And I said, buddy, why are you asking me this? And he said, well, I heard my teacher talking about inflation, someone in the carpool. I hear dad talking about inflation. Everyone is talking about inflation, and today we're getting the numbers showing that it's over 4% that we've seen, 4.2% uh, to be exact, uh, and that hurts. And we're seeing it in so many sectors. Um, plastics, paper, metals that are used in packaging have faced shortages. Chlorine, right? So we're Chlorine. In we're coming up on summertime. Pool season yeah, in exactly. the tri-state area starts Memorial Day weekend. My kids are counting down the days. Listen to this. <laughs> Chlorine prices are up 72% from 2019 levels. There's less supply. There's a shortage. And what have all your neighbors done? What did they do during the pandemic? They either put in pools, made plans to put yeah. in pools, so the demand yep. is even higher. 72% year over year. That's a crazy number. Well, yeah, let's let's not even talk about the price of gas. I mean, go to the pump. It's going up. And, and, and you know, it's not just seasonal, but there was that. I, probably you heard about it, but there was a ransomware attack, cyber attack on the Colonial Pipeline, which apparently runs a whole heck of a, a lot of the gasoline on the East Coast of the U.S. Growing up on the East Coast, I, I know two things. People there think they are the center of the world. 
and they panic easily. And right now, you know, this is all over the news out there. What do you mean I can't get a gallon of gas for under three bucks anymore? You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, they're going nuts out there. And, and apparently it's, they're hopeful it's going to be fixed soon, but we're seeing gasoline prices rise a, a, a lot going into Memorial Day weekend. Um, that's just fueling the concern that inflation may be serious. I, I, Jerome Powell, the, the um, uh, chairman of Fed the chair, yeah. uh, Federal Reserve. Yeah, exactly. Our nation's bank. Um, he says this is temporary. This is all part of reopening after the, the economic shutdown. He has no concerns. Yeah, maybe he has an agenda, but these are smart people that track a lot of different indexes, a lot of different aspects of the economy. And, and I tend to believe them that, yeah, this is these are big numbers. It is a pop. But I, I, I think it's going to work its way through as we get more drivers getting goods to market, as we start to see the, the short-term disruptions ease and we get back to normal. Because we're not back to normal. We're beginning to get there, sure. but we're not there yet. So I, I, I think, yeah, expect some bad news over the next you know week, two weeks, next month or so. But as we get into the summer, I think a lot of these concerns will start to go away. And as we dig into these inflation numbers, right, what what it means to you, what the bigger impact can be, we know you can't catch us maybe every night. We're, we're so grateful for your loyal listeners. But if you can't listen to Simply Money every night, it's okay. We've got a weekly podcast, Best of Simply Money. It's on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you check it out. Because as we talk about inflation, Steve, you know, we've also been talking about on this show um, President Biden's policy. And he has... Yeah some major plans to dump, you know, trillions of dollars into the economy and these economic plans. Um, And when you have kind of inflationary situation like we do right now, that could be a really difficult sell. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I'm I'm guessing the current administration did not like seeing these numbers because, I mean, it it was a tough sell. You know, which multi-trillion dollar program are we talking? The one that was introduced last week or the one that was introduced a week or two before that? Yeah. You know, we're we're talking well over $4 trillion of new spending that the administration is, is proposing. I have a hard time believing much of that's going to get through. And and if it was going to have a tough time getting through before, uh, these inflation numbers that came out today, they're going to make it that much more difficult for this administration to get through their, their new spending proposals. It, 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 it's just... You know, you can't put that much money out in the marketplace without some inflationary concerns. And if the inflation uh, has already started to kick up, um, there's going to be a lot of pushback from um, the other party. They're going to have a real rough time getting these proposals through. Uh, no question. Things are going to be really interesting in Washington in the coming days and weeks as, as this continues to play out. You know, I'm always looking for a bright side, though. I'm, a, I'm the eternal optimist here, Steve. And one thing is yeah. um, that copper, actually, um, the pr- has, has inflated a lot. The price of that jumping nearly 36 percent. Why would I be excited about that? Well, historically, the world's economy, um, you can look at it and kind of copper is a proxy for economic activity. So when there's when the prices of copper go up, the world economy looks to be at a really strong place. So this could be one thing. Hey, we're coming out of this pandemic, not just here in the tri-state, not just here as a nation, but globally. And globally, that number says to us that we're in a relatively healthy place. We are. I I mean, again, inflation, yeah, it's a big concern, but it tells us the economy's growing strongly. I mean, these economic 
growth numbers that we're getting are they're staggering. So this is good as 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 we're getting things open back up as we're returning to normalcy. Um, yeah, when companies are making a lot of money and and the economy is rip roaring. That's a good sign for the future. That's why I don't have major concerns with the stock market long time. Uh, long but Steve, term. you know, there are some scary headlines out there all over the place. We've been talking about those the past few days sure. when it comes to inflation. So when you get calls from the investors that you're working with freaked out about inflation, what is your advice as a long term investor to those people? You know, I, I hate to say it doesn't matter, just relax because it's more complicated than that. But, you know, again, corrections are normal. If we were looking at slowing economic growth, potential recession on the horizon, I would have a whole different uh, attitude towards these numbers. But we're not. We're looking at growth. And, and a growing economy is a good thing for investors. Yeah, maybe we'll have a correction, but you, you don't try to time the market. You don't jump in and out. And sometimes, Amy, the best decision is no decision. And for anybody looking to, to jump into cash, um, re-examine that. Don't make emotional decisions because of, yeah, important inflation numbers, but five years from now, will it really matter? I, I don't think so. Here's the Simply Money point. Inflation, without a doubt, it is running hot right now, but it could also be a sign that our economy is coming roaring back to life. All right. You know what? We thought Dogecoin, we're going to talk about it once on the show and then we're just going to move on. Right. But this stuff just keeps popping up. And of course, it popped up over the weekend on Saturday Night Live. So Elon Musk was hosting uh, and he was just being pressed to explain what it is on the weekend update. And here's how he put it. I'm trying to diversify my investment portfolio. Mm -hmm. uh, my question is, what is Dogecoin? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. It's a good question. Well, it's the future of currency. It's an unstoppable financial vehicle that's going to take over the world. I, I get that, but uh, what is it, man? <laughs> I keep telling you, it's a cryptocurrency you can trade for conventional money. Oh, so it's a hustle. Yeah, it's a hustle. Why did you say that, man? Don't bother everybody. <laughs> so funny. I love that. But here's the crazy thing about some of these investments. So as he's talking about Dogecoin on Saturday Night Live, the market is reacting to it, Steve. And yeah. as an investor, I think that goes to talk about how volatile this stuff really is. Well, come on. I, I, I mean, it, it's it makes Bitcoin look credible. You, you yes. know what? What is Bitcoin for? For crying out loud! It's it, it's some some lines of code that you can mine. Okay, tell me again why that should be worth you know forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a coin. You know, and and Dogecoin was originally. I mean, the inventor actually said. This this is this is a joke. I'm making this up, and it's becoming valuable. I, I mean, anything that goes up a thousand, two thousand percent in two or three months, people are going to take a hard look at. And you know, it's a house of cards. I, that's I can't say anything other than that's what Dogecoin is. So if a lot of people jump on board and decide to buy it one day, and you were in before that, you'll make money. If a lot of people dump it like they did after watching after watching Saturday Night Live for crying yes. out loud, it drops thirty percent. 
I, a I comedy mean, skit show, on, right? Come yes. on. And people like me can't stay up that late anymore, so I would have missed the boat completely. So, <laughs> you know, what's... I you doubt know. you would have been on Robin Hood trading Dogecoin yeah. at Saturday night anyway, whether you yeah. stayed up or not, my friend. <laughs> Which is a whole other issue, because apparently there were glitches with all of these sell orders coming in on the Robin Hood um, app. I yes. mean, these they can't handle the amount of trading coming in and going out of some of these cryptocurrencies. And, you know, just one more reason to d- just stay away from it with any serious money you want to you want to roll dice with a couple hundred bucks that's your business but you know as far as should i be investing in it it's not an investment i'm sorry it's a speculation at best crazy times okay so let's talk about an asset that makes a lot more sense uh this one is your car and you know when you drive it off the lot it's going to depreciate it is a Deep, it's a depreciating asset, but not right now, right? It's like everything has kind of been turned upside down. You're a car buff. Uh, what do you think yeah. about all this? Yeah, it's really a weird time. It used to be, and, and by used to be like uh, six months ago. Yeah, you know? long <laughs> not, time ago. Not not the old back in the day, but no, it it, it, it was, uh, okay, you're going to lose money, whether it's new, whether it's used. A, a car is not something going up in value with some rare exceptions. Our old friend Ed Fink just had a knack of picking really neat old muscle cars that would actually go up in value. I mean, of course. You, you, you could have picked a 65 um, Mustang convertible and and actually seen its price appreciate over the last few years. But now we're seeing, you know, two-year-old Nissans go go up in value. Average price paid for a pre-owned vehicle hit a record of over $25,000 in April, 2800 bucks in the same month last year. I, I mean, we're seeing used cars go up. I blame gamers. Gamers. That, that's, yeah? Yeah, I, I do. Oh, that's Be, true. Okay, so a, I, I get a, where you're going here. You have me yeah, stumped for a second. There's a huge chip shortage because so many people during the pandemic took up gaming and wanted to upgrade that the chips are going to gamers instead of in the new cars. So if you want to go out and buy a new car, you might have to wait a couple months. So, okay, what do you got on the used lot? And that's making those prices go up. That's, that's only one factor, but honestly, that's what's going on. Well, you talked about how used car sales are almost $3,000 higher than they were same month last year. The average price paid for a new model uh, climbed to a record. So 37500 per vehicle, that's up 7% from a year ago. And I expect that that number, probably in the short term, will continue to rise like that. Yeah. It's just crazy what it's doing kind of across the board to that market. So um, we're getting married in Florida in August. And I've been saying for like a month now, we need to rent a car when we go down, for when we go down there. Well, so we went. We flew into the same airport for spring break that we will be flying in in a few months. Rented the same minivan, right? Same kind of minivan. We paid, I don't know, three, four hundred dollars for it when we went down over spring break. Same number of days. Now it's close to a thousand dollars. You're kidding! Oh same my goodness! Same vehicle, same number of days, same airport, and everything more than doubled in that time because. Wow of this market, right? So even rental car places cannot get enough cars. They don't have enough inventory. So it's all the way around. Any way that you're traveling, you're going to yeah. pay more. Well, that, that's part of why the prices are going up. The rental car uh, agencies, they all dumped their inventory when they couldn't rent cars during the pandemic. And, and now they're they're caught in a short. I, I, I mean, people are back traveling. People are back renting like yourself. And, and uh, rental car companies have to go out and buy. So you, if you're looking for a used car, are competing with Avis and Hertz and Enterprise and those yeah. guys. So, you know, they're, they're, they're going up uh, also. I, I, it'll work itself out, but it's going to take a little bit of time. I think. 
Yeah, and I think in the meantime, just remember kind of our Simply Money car buying rule 2010-4. You put at least 20% down, no more than 10% of your entire monthly budget goes toward maintenance, car payments, insurance, and then make sure that loan lasts no longer than four years, even during these crazy times. Here's a Simply Money point. As car prices skyrocket, make sure you're in a ride that you can truly afford. Maybe you have some cash sitting on the sidelines, right? You weren't able to spend much last year. You didn't go on the typical vacation. Maybe you got some stimulus money. The question now is, you've got some money on the sidelines. What are you going to do with it? Steve, when you get these calls, first of all, Steve, are you getting these calls? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I mean, people come into money through lump sums, rollovers, whatever the case happens to be. And, and, you know, they're they're nervous when the market is pretty much at a high or is at a high of putting a big chunk of change into the market, even if it's only 40, 50, 60 percent stock. um, They worry about timing. You've got to acknowledge you're not in control of best times, worst times when the market's at a high, when it's at a bottom. So if you acknowledge, okay, I can't pick the perfect time. What's the best way to put a large chunk of money into the market? It's something called dollar cost averaging. You do this in your 401k already. Yep. You have you're payroll very deduction. With it. Exactly. You know, if you're having $100 out of each paycheck go into your 401k, um, it goes in, in during good times, during bad times, and it works out really well when you put a pencil to paper and figure out what did I actually pay. And, and you think about it, Amy. All right, I've got 10 grand I want to put in uh, into the stock market. Let's buy just as an example something trading at $200 a share. Okay, and then the next month you put another $10,000 in and it's only at $100 a share, you own twice as many shares at the lower price. And with the ups and downs of the market, when you look back after a year or two, you find, no, I, I actually paid less than half the average cost of that stock by just consistently putting the same dollar amount into the market that I wanted to get invested. It's it's a great it's a great way to get money into the market during volatile periods without driving yourself crazy trying to figure out where's the bottom, where's the top. Well, and I think there's a lot of people, though, who are saying, yeah, but it just feels wrong to put money in right now. I'm just going to wait. You know, you keep talking yeah. about a correction, a 10% pullback. Then I'll put the money in. And here's where I caution you. Go back a year ago, go back to last February, last March, when the market every day was worse. And I mean, it felt like the bottom was falling out. You could have put money in the market on one day and then the next day been hitting yourself because it was down even more. Why didn't I just wait? Right after that, right. And so, or maybe you waited because you thought this is a global pandemic, like this is going to get so much worse, only it didn't. And even though there were people on Main Street that were doing really, really badly and the situation was not good, the market went on a tear from there. And so I think it's really easy to say, I'm going to wait for this to happen. But knowing in the moment that that is happening, right, this is the bottom, this is the worst we're going to see for a while, it is nearly impossible to time it that way. It it is. I I love Warren Buffett's quote. I mean, this is one of the best, if not the best investor who ever lived. When he talks about market timing, he he said, "I, I can't market time. I don't know anybody who's successfully market timed. 
I don't even know anybody who knows anybody who's successfully mm-hmm. market time. So if he can't do it, why do you think you can? And, and you know, when, when things were at the very bottom about a year ago, um, yeah, uh, the news was really, really ugly. It's not, hey, this is clear. Things are getting better. No, it's the news looks like it's worse and getting worse. And yet at some point you were at the bottom. And, and so just forget about trying to pick the best point dollar cost average in over a period of time, and you'll look back on it and say, that worked out really well. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC. If you have money on the sidelines, what should you do with it? This is not going to sound sexy or exciting, and no one's going to be talking about this at the next party you go to, but what if you use that money to pay down debt? Because (laughs) it's a guaranteed return. Money not going out is the same as money not coming in. Do you have credit card debt? Do you have a mortgage debt that you know you're going to take with you into retirement? Now's the time to maybe look at using this money to get that kind of a guaranteed return. No question. If you're not paying off your credit card debt every month and you're carrying a balance, I can't guarantee you a 14.5% rate of return. But if you pay off your credit card balance, that's the average uh, interest rate that that you're paying. So you automatically get a 14% rate of return if you pay off that credit card balance. Um, Even your mortgage, Amy, I I mean, yeah, there's an argument, well, we're making more today than we are uh, paying on our uh, 30-year mortgage because we're at 2.8, we're at uh, 3.2%, whatever the interest rate is. Yeah, but you know what? But there's a lot of peace of mind when you pay off your mortgage. And I could tell you, working with re- especially retirees that you know have a mortgage, it drives you crazy during volatile times. If you're drawing money out of your investments, your IRA, your 401k, to make a mortgage payments when things are going down like they were in March of 2020. Yes. Um, yeah, getting out of debt, there, there's a mathematical reason to do it, but there's also an emotional reason Huge to do it. Huge emotional reason. And another thing before we even go down this path of dollar cost averaging or paying off debt, do you have an emergency fund? Yep. If you don't, that's the number one thing you should put your money toward. And we would say maybe six months of critical expenses you need to have sitting on the sidelines, not in the market. It will pay you in dividends many times over when an emergency arises if you and we, there's a study after study after study that shows that Americans don't have $400 sitting on yeah. the sidelines if you had an emergency that came up so this is the best possible way that you can start to build a solid financial future here's the simply money point there's really no one answer to how should you invest right now check your goals check your needs make sure you're also checking your risk tolerance Maybe jump off of a financial cliff. I know a lot of people who we work with at Allworth were. And this is where advisors kind of stepped in to remind you, hey, you're a long-term investor, right? Joining us tonight, Andy Schaefer, Chartered Financial Consultant at Allworth. And of course, you know him. He's a regular here on Simply Money. Andy, I will never forget the vision of you walking through the office with a headset on your head. You were you were talking to like investors that you work with on your way to the bathroom. Like that is how crazy it was um, because people were scared. Oh yeah. I, you know, I talked to every single one of my clients during that period of time in uh, you know, March and April were bananas. And I remember, you know, Amy, when we were closing up our office during the pandemic, you know, you were getting your stuff together. I was getting my stuff together and it's like, you know, it was see you when we see each other, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, that period of time was very challenging, not only for advisors, but investors in general. I, you know, we've all been, we were all went through it together. And 
the markets plummeted 40, 50%. And those were some very nerve wracking times for everybody. And I think, you know, we came out on the other side okay, as long as you stuck to a disciplined approach. Um, it's important that you understand what your goals are, what your time frame is. And in that case, it was what we consider a event-driven bear market. So from our perspective, we had thought that we would recover fairly quickly from that type of bear market. And in fact, we did. So, you know, it's so important. You were right, time- right? We were right. Yeah. We, we mm-hmm. have the brilliant Andy Stout, you know, economist, chief investment officer on our staff, who is kind of guiding all of us through this. But, you know, I think there's a lot of people who look at their advisors and say, okay, um, how do I pay you, right? How much money are you making off of me? How are you adding or subtracting from what I'm getting out of this relationship? And I talk about what happened last year for that very reason, because you earned your money, right? And many advisors did, whoever you work with, right? All worth or not, if they were talking you off of that emotional financial cliff at that point, man, it paid off. It paid off tremendously. So you can imagine, you know, every single one of my clients that I talked to said, hey, do I need to get out? Do I need to get out? As the market was continuing to fall. And the problem with that is, is if you do get out, you have to be right twice. You have to be right on the other side too, as opposed to having a disciplined approach. Uh, Vanguard funds, you know, they're a, they're a low cost investment management company. They released a study that estimates that clients who work with a good financial advisor will on average increase their percentage and value of their portfolios by 3% every year. Um, so, and it's not so much about the returns and chasing the return, right? Chasing the returns, it's more of protecting investors from themselves. You know, if you don't have more of a counselor mentality for your investors in general, then you're trying to protect them from making bad decisions during periods of fear and grief. There are two things that, that drive all of our money decisions or that can uh, in a bad way. And it's not necessarily what returns you're getting, what specific investments you're in. It's fear and greed. And if you have an advisor, and I joke about, my gosh, how many hats are actually worn here, because it's not just figuring out what the best investment risk is or your, you know, tolerance risk. It's it's more, um, hey, this is the plan. Let's stick to the plan. A lot of it is emotional and psychological, too. There's only two clients of about the 235 that I had that I could not talk into keep staying in the market. Yeah. And those two, now I was able to get them back in within a week or so. Um, so their, their returns weren't hurt significantly, but they're lagging the rest of my clients by making that poor decision and not really entrusting what we were doing and what the data tells us. You know, I have other clients sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll manage a portion of their portfolio, but maybe they have some funds that are in their 401k. Well, I just had a client yesterday tell me, hey, you know, I actually got a little bit jittery and pulled my money out of the market during that period of time. And he lost all of those returns within his mm-hmm. 401k and didn't follow our guidelines and principles with man- money that we don't manage for him. But overall, I think it's important for you to understand that you need to have a disciplined approach and stick to that approach because in the long run, it's going to benefit you. Yeah, you use disciplined approach, and I love that because that's really easy to talk about when times are good, but you have to remember that discipline. And I, I know that you were uh, you know, a college football player, right? The discipline that it takes to get through a season in the best of games and the worst of games absolutely applies to this as well. And I think you can have a lot of people come in uh, and kind of kick the tires on you and say, I don't know, like, should I work with you? Should I not? What kind of returns do you get? And I get that that's a part of it for people, but it's it's so much more. There's other things that go into the value of an advisor. 
you know, we help clients make decisions as far as distributions are concerned. What's going to be the most beneficial from a tax efficiency standpoint for distributions that you may be making? What's the best way to transition your money from an estate planning point of view? Um, You know, how do I save the most cost effective way for my retirement? And what types of accounts do I put my money in? All of those factors come into play in financial planning that add a lot of value to people's livelihoods and their financial health. And how many times has someone come to you and said, there's this thing I read about, I heard about Bitcoin, (laughs) Dogecoin, pot stocks, like you name it. And and hey, Andy, what do you think, right? You're also very much a sounding board. So I talked to a friend of mine last night and she said, Andy, you know, what's the deal with Bitcoin? You know, what what is it? Can you kind of give me a a snapshot of it? And basically what I said to her is it's a speculative investment. Um, You know, the, the blockchain technology that's behind all of those cryptocurrencies here to stay. But the problem is that there's thousands and thousands of different types of cryptocurrency. So which, which one is going to survive? You don't know which one mm-hmm. is going to continue to play out. And it's, it's a part of the black market. That's the type of currency the black market uses. So you know it's not a long-term inv- investment. If you do want to take a risk and you have a little money on the side that you're prepared to lose and, and it doesn't upset your financial future – then that's fine. But overall, it's not a sound investment at this time because it is so speculative and there's no real intrinsic value to it. So you need to be careful of investments like that. You hear a lot about SPACs these days. Um, you know, Just make sure that you speak with your advisor to discuss these different types of alternative investments and whether they're going to be right for you or not. In this Vanguard study that says, hey, when you work with an advisor, you're going to get a, roughly a 3% increase in the value of your portfolios every year. You know, I, I think I think part of that is understanding what kind of advisor you're working with, right? Is this an ongoing relationship or are they trying to sell you something? You know, I mean, a lot of times if someone's trying to sell you an annuity or an insurance product, what you don't know is the commissions that they're getting off of that as well. That's very important. When I started my career, you know, in the old days, you know, it was a, it was a brokerage house and, and you, were, you were supposed to go out and sell the products and, hey, I got this new bond to, to sell you or this annuity to sell you. And I, I, could, I hated it. It felt greasy to me. We're not on the same side of the table as a client. So you want to make sure you're working with a fiduciary um, that's primarily fee based. So when we make adjustments to our clients' portfolios, there are no commissions involved. And that takes a lot of the, um, uh, the conflict out of the relationship with your clients, as opposed to, hey, every time I make a trade, I'm making money off you. Maybe there's an interest for the advisor to churn your account a little bit more or make a lot of changes so that they can pad their own pocketbook. So it's important that you work with a fiduciary and primarily um, one that is, is fee-based so that aren't, there aren't a lot of conflicts of interest. All right. So if you are trying to figure out, should I work with an advisor? Should I not? Is there value in that? Is it just a waste of money? Great things to think about tonight from Andy Schaefer, a regular right here on the show. You've been listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the talk station. You've been listening to the best of Simply Money. Now, if you could do us a favor, send the show to a friend if you think they may benefit from it as well. At All Worth Financial, we help you retire better. 